Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 108 of the podcast for January 4th, 2011. My guest today is Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. This was recorded midway through 2010 back at the Shingo Prize Conference in Salt Lake City, where we were able to chat in person. And here in this podcast, we're talking about lean and the respect for people principle, following up my discussion with Dr. Stephen Covey, which was episode 91. And we also touched briefly on her new book. It's been out for a few months now called Work That Makes Sense. Now, Gwendolyn was previously a guest on episodes 26, 45, and 49. And to find any old episode of my podcast, you can go to your browser and punch in www.leanblog.org slash X, where X is the episode number. Gwendolyn, uh, good to talk to you again. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the importance of the respect for people principle um, of the Toyota way, sometimes uh, even uh, described as respect for humanity. Mm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that and, and what that really means to you? You know, um, I think changing it from respect for people to respect for humanity creates a conceptual shift that's really important. Because if we can actually think of people um, almost not as individuals, but really as uh, fellow human beings, what happens is a kind of parity, a kind of equalness automatically comes up. And I, I have thought about this a lot because my own feeling is the putting the value respect for people has become so well-known as to almost lose its meaning. I mean, it's one thing Covey says, it's self-evident, it's universal. But it also needs to be meaningful. It needs to really grab you as important and not assumed. And I've been in lots of organizations where respect for people uh, means a very superficial kind of tolerance. But actually operationalizing that into behaviors that... Um, allow that person to be more human, to be more themselves, to be more powerful, is I think the direction where that's, that that's supposed to go. And I think that many, many years ago, when uh, Toyota adopted that from us, uh, that it had that kind of dazzling quality, that kind of resilience, that we were talking about the human race and humanity and a shared experience. And um, I'd like to see more discussion about that and less assumption mm -hmm. that people understand it. Because the, the fact is we only understand to the outer edge of our own experience. And sometimes that experience has been small instead of grand, instead of really formative. You know, instead of what I mean by formative, really forming us or reforming us, helping us grow in our thinking. Um, I, I was thinking uh, for the past several years about how could you express culture in a way that was personal and yet powerful, not just 
you know, being nice to people. Although I tell you, being kind to people as a daily practice is something that I still practice. It is by no means automatic. I tend to be a rather intense person. I like my idea almost better than anyone else's, and I lose my way. But I've been, uh, if you, if one is allowed to pray for kindness, I have prayed to learn to be a kind person, and I'm doing better, but I'm not there yet. But uh, um, to the point of the definition of culture, so I've been thinking about this for a number of years, and I have, I finally, I got it. I don't know, it was a year ago, a year and a half ago, three years ago, who knows. But it was like a big hit in the head. And I think it's the accumulation of all of my life's experience because I don't take credit for this idea. I'm sure it's somewhere in somebody's book and somebody's great thought because it's a big one. So when I try to explain culture to the companies I work with, I say, look, for me, culture is who I think I am and who I think the other person is, who I think you are. And when the culture is aligned, when it is united, I know that I am you. So we make this differentiation with culture where we see ourselves and we see the other. And until that smooths out to being, you are me, I'm, you know, when I look at my you, I'm seeing me, then we have the chance of uh, equality on the inside, where the other person is recognizing that. And then we pay as much respect to the other as we do to ourselves, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was, oh, who was that guy who did the measurement thing? He said, you want to know what feedback is? Count the number of mirrors in your house. So mm -hmm. you want to know what culture is? See who's looking at you when you're looking at them. Mm -hmm. And if it isn't you, then who is it? You know, it's, it's, it's not... And the other part of that is has to do with the, the power part of empowerment. When we I think we all recognize that we're powerful people, even if we are in a meek position or in a, a less than complete position. We are powerful in some ways in our lives, but maybe not at work. Maybe we don't have an opportunity. But that same power that resides in us, wherever we're powerful, we have to recognize and resides in the other person. That's the whole spirit and alignment of work. And I think it's, I think I'm beginning to see that companies are moving in that direction when they talk about respect for people, that it is much more lively, lively, it's much juicier, and it's more, it's much more personal, and yet it's about humanity. Mm -hmm. We recognize this humanity in each other. And I, I think all of the great conversion um, methodologies require that. And even though, well, that's another story, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. So when you talk about uh, operationalizing mm -hmm. those ideas, turning it into to daily practice, daily, into daily behavior, behavior um, in an organization, can, yeah. can you give an example of that? Um, well, you know, my lens is always visuality, so I see everything in how do I operationalize visuality, how do I get these great values into a visual conversion. And for me, you know, the heart of my uh, methodology is that it's eye-driven, that it's the individual who knows where her deficits are, where her information deficits are, and who will only get control of her corner of the world or his corner of the world if those deficits are answered and if I feel safe, psychically safe. And I think if, if we can help people feel psychically safe, 
they will be able to respect others because mm -hmm. they're not going to feel under mm -hmm. attack. When you're in a chaotic system where you can't get answers to the simplest questions or, or the questions are repeated every day or you're in the hospital, is this the right syringe, is this the right medicine, you know, where's my patient, where's the doctor, where's the chart, it's the same thing on the shop floor. If you can't get steadiness in those, to get those simple answers, uh, um, those simple questions answered, you can't respect mm -hmm. the other person because you're in a state of alert and alarm. Yeah. Somebody and comes into your field and you just want to throttle them or, you know, or just, you know, shrink. So yeah. it's very, very important for people to feel in control. They should. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when you say people need to feel safe. Yeah. And the, um, uh, I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, but to... to um, be free of a certain amount of frustration, to be free of frustration, Absolutely. to feel supported, um, to interact with people in a way that, that shows respect. Um, Dr. Covey showed a video um, last night about um, you know New York and, and some of the things they did within uh, to try to reduce crime and realizing that by paying attention to little things yes. ended up making it, because it created a different environment where people were then less likely um, to commit more major crime. Because uh, the environment itself was coherent. Right. And I think if we're, where people get frustrated, um, you talk about power structures in hospitals, um, you know, there's a clear power structure, um, you know, physician over nurse. Mm. Certain types of physician over other mm. types of physician. No, really. And where, um, you know, if, if, if a nurse is feeling... Um, Abused in a way, or, you know, being treated badly. Misused. Mm -hmm. yes. um, that then, um, you know, if they feel a loss of power, then they take it out on somebody else. The food chain. And this food chain to try to yeah. um, to recover some of that. So when you talk about um, trying to help people feel more powerful, in a, in a bad setting, that's win lose. Mm -hmm. But in the right setting, mm -hmm. um, allowing someone else to develop and be more powerful doesn't mean that you, yeah. as a leader, lose power. Yeah. You would hope, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a complex issue. Uh, sometimes I think the only cure for the kind of imbalances we see in some workplaces is therapy for everyone <laughs> or just everybody get a new job and let's start fresh because there are some very deep systems in place that are dysfunctional systems. Mm -hmm. They are systems of understanding and systems of lack and systems of deficits, and we are continually coping for them. But here's the thing. That power that's in all of us is also the power to recognize the truth. And, and we know when something is wrong, even if we can't put our finger on it. Remember how I used to, uh, you've heard me say the mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism. And the mind is always, what, is it, what are we trying to, to recognize when we seek a pattern? We're trying to recognize what's the sense of the situation, what's the truth, how does it work? And we know we've got so many levels, so many dimensions of sensitivity in our being just because we're humans and we've been around for a while, even if that a while is just, you know, I'm 25, I'm 35, and we have great sensitivity. And when something is out of whack, 
we can't be powerful in that. We can't get the information we want. But I mean powerful in the sense of alignment with ourself, mm. the kind of power that comes from flow. You know how we always talk about pull and flow in, in lean and in visual as well. But that sense of flow is a connection with the deepest part of ourselves that expresses itself in work. And it expresses itself in our desire to be excellent and to be surrounded by excellence. That is not something we introduce to a, uh, an organization. That is something we walk in with. We want excellence. That has to do with the nature of the mind, which is seeking the pattern. The pattern is coherence. Things fit together. They make sense. And we use that as our baseline. We stand on that. And then we maybe innovate or take some chances. But that sense of control is that sense of, you know, another way to say it. What you hear people say when the workplace is coherent is they say, I'm in control. I feel in control. But what is really happening, and I actually haven't thought about this before, I haven't made the connection, is that the environment, the field of work is harmonious. Mm -hmm. It fits. It's smooth. It's coherent. It makes sense. That happens to be the name of my new book. But, 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 and I'm not going to plug it now. No, we're here to talk about the book. Too. <laughs> we'll do that in a moment then. Yeah. But, but it's, it is as fundamental a need to have that sense of reliable, reliable place as it is to breathe air. If we don't feel that our environment is stable and reliable, we go into our animal instincts mm -hmm. of flight or fight. Right. How can we, these are our instincts. Right. The thing about instincts is that you can't control them. You can suppress them, mm -hmm. but they'll pop out some other way. Yeah. You know, and they're really the state of some... So, you know, let's get back to the theme of respect for an individual. Uh, I think that it has many layers and that it is worthy of discussion, yeah. of, of really taking the layers off. What does it mean in this case? What is it? And it isn't just kindness, and it isn't just listening politely, and it isn't just moving for, towards consensus when you're trying to decide what kind of pizza you're going to be eating, which is the wrong application of consensus. It has something to do that's much more powerful. And if there's anything, Mark, that we are learning and I am learning and that you are learning is that in this work, there are so many dimensions that take us deeper and deeper into our humanity. Mm -hmm. So respect for humanity is respect for a power that we don't even, mm -hmm. we can't even put a size around. You know, if you're religious, then you believe that there's a piece of God inside of you. But when you think about that, that's a didgeridoo. How yeah, wonderful. For, 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 yeah, the listeners who... Uh, um, Gwendolyn and I are sitting here at the uh, the Shingle Prize Conference in a lobby at the conference center. One of the Utah State students plays the didgeridoo. Oh, it's wonderful, yes. And so I don't know if you could hear that in the it's back. It's magical, <laughs> it's magical. But anyway, sorry. No, I, I think that might have been, there was some kind of thought I wanted to complete there. But, but you know, for me, I always think, uh, just because I enjoy thinking in this way, that there's some kind of a material change going on in the way that we're doing work. But when you start talking about flow, which is what we talk about mm -hmm. in, in lean and in visual, and pull as well, which is attraction, that gravitational pull, I remember what I was saying now, we're talking about a very rich event. Mm -hmm. It isn't about money. It isn't just about money, but it is about money, but it is also about ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, if we think that the power, some part of God is in each of us, if we're religious in that way and that's part of our doctrine, then you think about what does that mean? God isn't all kindness. It's the power of God that created the stars and exploded them again. You know, so it's powerful. And I, uh, you know, when Einstein said we used only 10% of our brain, well, what's the other 90, 90% like? Mm-hmm. I just think it's very interesting. And for me, when I come to the Shingo Prize, which is my favorite place to come all the time, I love the people at Shingo and I love Shingo, is that I think that we are bringing people into that conversation, whether they know it or not, mm-hmm. that they really have to ask themselves, what is my life about? How do I want to serve it? What can I do? What can I do? Who is that other person? Yeah. You know, who is that other person? And what do I mean by respecting them? I think it's a marvelous, revolutionary, transformative movement that we're in. And now it's going into hospitals. It's going everywhere. You you know, this is no small thing, no small thing. And that it's come out of the rubble of the war is makes it even more miraculous. This is the gift of the war. World War II and, you know, downtrodden little Japan. Mm -hmm. Where were they going to go for their power if not within? It's just marvelous. I love this story, and I love all the different stories that have been coming out of it. And I think that that's why I'm involved, you're involved, all these 600 people are involved and thousands of others, and we're all nourished by it. Mm-hmm. We all find it exciting because it brings magic into our lives. Don't you feel that? Yeah. Don't you there's, feel the magic? There's uh, a deeper connection. Uh, I mean, I think you know, in the best um, articulation and, and representation of the lean movement, um, where it's, it's, it, it becomes deeply uh, personal. Yes. Um, about you know finding sense of purpose, and this isn't yes. even. Just a, um, you know, we've we've all been um, lucky to be around Dr. Covey uh, mm-hmm. for the last couple of days, and this is you know this sense of of purpose and principles. You know, even going back to a story Bruce Hamilton told about um, Shigeo Shingo when he, um, uh, he visited Bruce's company in the late '80s. Yes, I was there. And Bruce said, "Well, Mr. Shingo's um, or Dr. Shingo from Utah, it was from Mr. from yes. Utah, from yeah." Uh-huh. Eventually, Dr. Shingo from Utah State, um, when, when, when he, he said, Bruce said his first question was always, what is the function? Meaning, it was getting towards, why is this? What is the purpose of this machine or of this operation? And that question could be answered on a number of levels. Yes. The function of the machine is to make a hole in this piece of metal mm-hmm. or... Um, Let's say if you're um, to support the community, right? At or, the other end, you know, the purpose of this machine is to create products that help protect people from mm-hmm. harm. Mm-hmm. Certain types of products, yeah. you know, that go into a car, uh, for example. But it, I mean, it seemed like that was um, starting to approach a, a deeper meaning than what's the pur- what's the function of this machine? It does its thing every 20 seconds. No, there's something deeper than that. Well, this machine creates 14 cents of value according to our um, cost accounting system. Mm. No, there's there's more to it than that. Mm. And I think the people side, uh, it's all the people side of Lane. But you know, but 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 that focus. But it's the people side is also the people side is also the thought that created that machine. Right. I mean, I think that's another throwaway. It, 
Are we still rolling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's another throwaway. When we say, um, you know, people are our most important asset, we really have to think about, you know, that it is it has been God's blessing, but through us, through us, our thought has created this civilization and has given us an opportunity to live in a protected environment, to give us time to think and to love and to be and to have families and to be artistic and to just be at rest within ourselves. And, and you know, these machines... So I just think the movement is marvelous, and I have no idea. You could... I could never predict from where I started that I would ever end up here. I didn't even know this world existed, right. and yet it satisfies me deeply. I am deeply satisfied by my own discoveries and by the discoveries of the brilliant people around me. I feel like I'm in... Um, some kind of special group of artists mm-hmm. who are carving out new thought. And that's very exciting. I think that's magical. Right. And I think that everybody who's involved in this transforma- transformation that companies are making a lot of money on are, ju- are satisfied on that level and they can't let it go because it feels so good. So I think I'd better let you go home and go to sleep. We've had an exciting couple of days here at the, yeah. uh, the Shingo Prize Conference. Yeah, it's been so. great. Um, it's great seeing you and being able to talk in person. Yeah, yeah. it is uh, great. It is great. Yeah. Um, the new book for uh, for the listeners, uh, Work That Makes Sense. Work That Makes Sense. Easiest Mark. way to find that, buy uh, that. It's uh, on our website, um, www.visualworkplace.com, and it's on Amazon. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 You, you know, you asked me a question, I'm going to go on. I'm as bad as Norman. No. Talk, 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 talk. <laughs> Are you okay with this? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you. Bye. Here, so here, I'm going to cut out. So let's do a proper. Okay, okay. thanks. Because I'll cut out. I'll go through and edit. I'll try to remember to go yeah, through. Yeah, please, it. please clean it up. Oh, it's about the going on and on like Norman. Oh, okay. Um, Gwendolyn, thanks for talking about your new book. Thanks for helping reflect on the last couple of days here at the Shingo Prize yeah. Conference. It was really nice having you. It's uh, great. I love talking with you. Podcast again. Yeah, thank you. I love talking with you, Mark. Your questions are great. You're a great listener. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.